Hi, I'm David Dodd. Welcome to COP26 Tiny Explainers. Today we tackle the issue of climate finance and the $100 billion a year promised to developing countries to fight climate change. Good day and welcome to this edition of COP26 Tiny Explainers. I'm Mitchell Beer, the publisher of The Energy Mix, and I'm speaking with Anya Nechtel, a climate policy specialist at Oxfam Canada. Anya, we've seen some big numbers thrown around on climate finance, $100 billion per year that rich countries promise the developing world, and a $75 billion gap between the promise and the delivery. What's going on and why is climate finance so important at COP26? The UNFCCC has recently released a report that they led in terms of looking at what is the potential for the delivery of that $100 billion annual commitment. And it was supposed to occur in 2020. They're now saying that with the collective pledges that are ongoing by wealthy countries, we won't reach that until 2023. The money is supposed to help countries of the South tackle the climate crisis, to reduce emissions, and to adapt to the impacts of climate change. For the last year in 2020, it was one of the hottest years that we had on record. There were 98, over 98 million people affected by floods, by storms, by other climate-related disasters, um, which added up to losses of at least $171 billion. Uh, and, you know, despite the fact that climate change could really be triggering much bigger uh, economic losses than even the pandemic, we just haven't seen the issue being treated with the same level of urgency. Climate change is affecting Canada, but it's affecting countries of the South even more. So when we think about the impacts of climate change that are ongoing in Canada, if we look at the wildfires that were raging through um, the Western Canada this past year of the extraordinary loss of, of life due to heat-related deaths um, to the tragic destruction of Lytton, um, we then turn and look at what's going on in developing countries and think of the even greater struggle and hardship that they're having to try to addressed the intense impacts that climate change is having. And globally, those countries that are least able and have least responsibility in terms of the climate crisis that we're now experience, experiencing, sorry, they're the ones that are being hit really the hardest. Northern countries made the pledge to provide $100 billion a year back in 2009. Language is super important here, as we talk about the northern countries helping southern nations fight climate change. Unfortunately, right now, we see that 70% of the money is being delivered to countries in the form of loans. And unfortunately, what that means is that developing countries are taking on additional debt in order to address the crisis um, while they're already struggling under the economic hardship that's been brought about by COVID. Um, and it's, it's really an issue that these loan repayments um, become a challenge in terms of enabling them to take further climate action. Only about 27% of the funding so far has been delivered in the form of grants, often to help with adapting to the impacts of climate change. The vast majority of financing goes to mitigation, uh, which is obviously critically important, but there needs to be a better balance. More money needs to be going into adaptation, and the money for adaptation needs to be delivered by grants. Okay, jargon alert. 
Mitigation means spending money on things that reduce emissions, which often also involves projects that produce revenue, such as solar or wind power. Correct. And when we're talking about mitigation, that can be uh, investments in energy systems, for example, that you're seeing a transition from coal-fired plants into renewable energy systems to be able to power um, the increasing need for energy and address energy poverty issues in a sustainable way. Northern countries like this because the revenues can pay back the loans. Adaptation means spending money on adapting to the impacts of climate change. In terms of adaptation, it's actually helping people to deal with the impacts of climate change, to try to lessen those negative impacts, to try to improve farming um, strategies or inputs that are going into that and ensure that the crops are uh, resistant to drought or improving the way that water resources are being managed to ensure that uh, there's enough access to water. Southern nations may have flooding coastlines, impacts on their ability to grow food, job losses, and a host of other things. Many are struggling to prevent significant social, environmental, and economic collapse, hardly actions that help them pay back loans. Yeah, I think it's a critical investment, um, and it's part of a larger conversation as well in terms of ending um, the funding of new fossil fuel projects, of ending subsidies to existing uh, fossil fuel projects and redirecting that um, that capital, that financing to sustainable energy, renewable energy projects um, and this transition to a green economy. One of the problem with debt financing is that you actually see developing countries ramping up their fossil fuel production to try to pay back uh, the debts that they're owing. That's why northern countries have to come through with the funds and to provide them in a balanced way. And if we look down deeper into that, we see that even within developing countries, not everyone is being affected equally, um, particularly vulnerable populations. We look at indigenous communities, um, women living in poverty, a lot of rural communities are feeling these impacts even more. The need for a just transition in the global south is even more pronounced than it is here in Canada. In terms of both the adaptation and mitigation, you see opportunities to try to address equity issues through those. Um, you know, within mitigation uh, projects, are there um, opportunities for women, for example, to engage in some of these smaller scale renewable energy projects or larger scale renewable energy projects in terms of the roles that they're taking on? Um, are communities leading on nature based solutions and are those supporting the livelihoods of local communities in a positive way? In the end, the not-so-easy-to-achieve goal is to help southern nations shift their economies in a just way into sustainable jobs and opportunities that build climate resilience and reduce emissions. So, there you go. Our COP26 Tiny Explainer on climate finance. Nothing about climate change is simple or easy. Thanks to Mitchell Beer for conducting the interview. This is a joint production of the Energy Mix and Green Energy Futures. Thanks for listening and follow our coverage at theenergymix.com and greenenergyfutures.ca. For COP26 Tiny Explainers, I'm David Dodge.